Coming at you live from the heart of Lincoln, America. Welcome to Walk On Weekly with your hosts, Nebraska men's basketball players Sam Hoiberg and Jeff Grace III. This is Walk On Weekly. All right, welcome back into Weeknights. I'm Marissa Arns here with Sam Hoiberg, Jeff Grace III, Mast, all from the Nebraska basketball team on the Walk on Weekly. And again, you guys want to join in on the show? Come in the back line 402-464-5685. And we are streaming on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and Twitter, as well as Allo Channel 951. Um, and be, pay attention to this. We are switching over to the Royals at about 12 or excuse me, 630. So if you want to watch the stream and carry on with the show, be sure to hop on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, or Twitter. And that'll be a great way to hang on the show for you guys. Sam, your headphones not working for you? They're a little loud. A little loud yeah. for you? Follow your cord to that box right there, and then you'll be able to turn it down for you as we're getting all set up here. But plenty of things to talk about. Um, we had the NBA draft trades going on, as well as just call troops in general. Sam Hoiberg, where you want to start, man? Probably with your guest, I'd imagine. He's <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, yeah, no, I'll wait. Welcome to Lincoln Rink. Welcome to the show. Me and Jeff are very happy to have you. No doubt about uh, it. The viewers, this is Rink Mast, big man from the Netherlands. We're really excited about him. Yeah, yeah. thanks for having me. Uh, you tried to get me on like two times the last two weeks. <laughs> it's, it's been kind of crazy, a lot of stuff going on. But, yeah, thanks for having me. No doubt about it. Any uh, things you'd like to share with the viewers out there? Like anything about you yourself? Anything about myself? Uh, no, just uh, just a big man. It's uh, true. I'm I'm ready to play in the ready to play in the Big Ten and kind of see how I match up against the other big dudes in there. And for all those listening, uh, Ring is from the Netherlands, so I'm kind of curious talking about your game, where you grew up from. Was there a significant transition? Like just looking at college hoops in general, being in the Netherlands, what was that route? for you i know it's a little different from all those european players everything doesn't always work out the same but what was that first sign that hey you're pretty good at basketball i can go d1 and what does that path look like coming from the netherlands yeah well from from everybody from europe you have mm -hmm. different routes uh for me specifically when i was younger i was already pretty tall so i always played with age groups up so when when i was like 14 i was playing with dudes that were like 18 19 or something and then when i like 16 i got to uh, practice with my hometown pro team which is pretty cool and those are like all, all that have gone through college and okay had a pro career and i got to practice with them and then later on in the season i got to play a couple games like start some games and then at 17 years old i i was kind of the starter on that team with a bunch of other guys actually two guys that also played at nebraska before okay uh, jason dorso and mm -hmm. lance cheater Okay, nice. Yeah, so I played with those two guys and like kind of um, playing with them and um, being able to compete and do pretty well at that level already showed me that hey, I'm pretty good at good at this. <laughs> maybe have a I maybe have a shot at uh, playing D1 over in the states. Absolutely, and I do want to dive back into that later. But just talking to Jeff Grace third, Sam Hoiberg, what was your guys' first impressions? Of rink, yeah. So, skill set. What you see in okay, this game? Yeah, that's that's a big question because I was his host. 
have a lot of first impressions of Rink. But as a, <laughs> his game, I love it. I mean, I, I kind of just describe it as he's a very typical European big man when you think about it. He's not the most athletic. He knows that. It's not going to be offending to him. I don't, I don't try to. Yeah, but a uh, really good passer, really good shooter. He would shoot it 5% better from three if his hands didn't get so sweaty. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm going to try those uh, sweat bands out on my wrist. Yeah, next we, we were talking about ways to stop that, so he stops giving me passes when the ball's wet. Uh, but, yeah, he's, he's been hitting on me for get Every time I hand the ball off to him, he's like, Damn. Yeah, I tried, I, I tried to shoot the ball today coming off of a handoff, and it literally almost hit my face because it slipped. Uh, didn't airball it, though, but that was good. No. Um, but, yeah, I mean, really plays super hard. You can tell we're not even playing live stuff right now, but he's the only five that's available right now. So mm -hmm. he's doing every single rep at full speed, and that's something that I admire as a player that wants to try to play hard all the time. And, yeah, I think he's going to be huge for us. Absolutely. Jeff Grace third, you got anything to add to that? Yeah, Rink uh definitely a very uh, gifted player. Uh just not alone like his uh specialties on the court, but like just his voice in general. Mm -hmm. He's very vocal and it helps us out a lot. Like people on the floor, like just getting in the right position and like also just like knowing what play we're running. Uh that's helped a lot. uh and also just like his uh his uh IQ and also a like work on the perimeter, like mm -hmm. space and like being able to catch and shoot kind of it's, it'll be very interesting. I'm very excited to see how this works. I'm very excited to get going, and I'm looking forward to seeing him grow. Yeah, absolutely. And I do want to kind of tie back into your time with the Netherlands because they talked about being vocal. You're talking about how you're going to have to play some of these older players, depending on your skill level, and you end up playing against guys that were older, bigger, taller than you. Do you give credit to that, kind of giving you that leadership that you had to find playing up against those bigger guys and that growing naturally? Or where did that leadership vocalness come from? Mm -hmm. Well, from playing with older guys, you you kind of have to follow. They have the experience and mm -hmm. kind of like see how they do it. And I picked up a lot uh, in that way. And then as you go through college, like I've, I've done four years of college, if you come in as a freshman and then you kind of have to listen to the older guys. But once you become like a junior and a senior and you play a lot of minutes, you have to be able to take a freshman on the wing and show them kind of how it's done and how you like how you work hard, put in the effort, like on, like during practice, but also outside of practice, taking care of your body. Mm -hmm. And uh, I feel like, especially the, the older veterans that I played with before, and then some of the coaches that I've worked with, definitely emphasized that aspect of trying to help other players too. So that's just kind of what I'm doing, trying to do now here too. Absolutely. Uh, I, I mean, I'm kind of curious about the European ball, and we talk about this a lot in the NBA. There's a foreign almost takeover. You see it with Giannis, Luka, um, Jokic, another one. I don't know if there's a right answer to this, but is there something that you guys are doing over in Europe that is just, I don't know if it's guys in the U.S. going AAU. It's a lot of individual stuff, but it seems like the European guys, they plug and play pretty seamlessly, and they're very good with ball movement. They got the small things right is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. I think kind of what we do differently than here in the States is that um, we, from a young age, we have everybody playing every position and we're more focused on skill work rather than like competing. And oh, so you're going like one through five skill work? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And then not like um, competing and trying to win games at a young age already. Like some of my, uh, like when I was like 12, 13, 14, the teams that I played on, we didn't win us like that many games <laughs> at all during the season. But we did the right things we work on the right skill work mm -hmm. and then 
we played a whole bunch of different styles of, uh, of play. And then in practice, we kind of went over like how how different teams play. And we watched the film from like EuroLeague teams. Mm-hmm. And so in that way, you kind of learn a lot about like just how to play the, the game of basketball. And with that, you're it's a lot easier to plug and play in a whole bunch of different systems. Yeah, because I feel like I see that a lot with European players. Like they don't they do the simple things right. Um, even like you throw in Ginobili, and there's just tons of guys that, for whatever reason, I don't know if it's just the style of the AAU, where it's a lot of individuality, trying to put yourself up there as a possible D1 prospect for scholarships. Uh, but I'll ask you guys: you guys are actual D1 basketball players. I'm just pushing one forward. But do you see anything, or am I just you know talking in the air here? Just the, between the difference between European style in the U.S. and that's what may be some benefits to how they do it over in Europe. So for AAU, definitely you see a lot of like one v one stuff mm-hmm. like that because me and Sam played AAU together, um, and it's definitely a, like as Ring said, you can tell like it's a different like game take over there. Uh, here they really focus on like getting points and stats and like trying to get to the D1 level. So I would say, like, yes, there is something different over there in uh, Europe rather than here in the States. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say it. I think working on those fundamentals at a young age is huge. And me and Jeff were really fortunate we got with the program that really emphasized that stuff, like ball movement. Like my teams on AU growing up were always kind of complimented for our ball movement, just for our age. And then we brought that into me and Jeff started playing together in eighth grade and we already had those fundamentals down a little bit, but when we played with that team, we really focused on them. We had great ball movement and that's why we were so successful. We didn't have anyone with an actual D1 scholarship out of high school, partly because we didn't have a junior uh, AU season, but we beat some of the best teams in the country just because we played the right way and they stuck to that kind of one-on-one style. And I think, like Jeff said, a lot of people get caught up in the stats and the just trying to look good for the, the scouts, but it's just so like, especially now, like I think that kind of showed off when I started playing is like my just knowledge of the game. Yeah. Pays off a lot is I'm obviously not as gifted in height as some in athletic, you know, some of those other guys. And I can still be a force just based on my knowledge of the game. Yeah. It shows a lot too. And uh, the thing is always going to talk about you is those steals, but it's just having the headspace in the game to understand that's going to be there just based on the way that guy's looking small things like that. Um, is it that common when you're doing travel ball that you're just seeing a ton of ISO plays? Is yeah. it like predominantly the offense? Yeah. I mean, it also kind of depends on like the team you play on mm-hmm. and like the culture around it because like you can tell like the one on one teams like when you play them and then like the teams that like actually like know what they're doing and like how to play together. Um, so it definitely depends on where you, where you come from and also the team you're brought into. Yeah, I, I always do wonder because, and then, uh, Rick, you can even chime on this. We've talked about it before, me and Jeff Grace were talking about it, I believe, a couple of weeks ago. The face of the NBA, it almost feels like it has to be a foreign player now because you can't lean into, I mean, we'll see what Zion and John Moran do, but I mean, I look at Nikola Jokic and Giannis and Luka as the real, the real threats for being the face of the league. Uh, Rink, you got a favorite foreign NBA player by chance? Uh, yeah, from from those guys that you mentioned, I really like watching Jokic because mm-hmm. I feel like our games are somewhat similar in aspects. And then just Luka, when he played in Europe, I already watched him a little bit, like growing up. Oh, what was that like? Because I know he had a cult following. People oh, were yeah. already aware of him. And uh, oh, you guys can help me. Who's that NBA player that tipped us off early? That this guy, I think it was Dragic, Goran Dragic. I think yeah, might have tipped them off. Yep. Yeah. 
But yeah, so what was that like? Just kind of hearing about this Luka Doncic and then realizing that it is this true. He's that kind of generational player. Mm -hmm. Well, you got to realize that he at like 16, 17 was like, I think at 17, he was playing significant minutes for Real Madrid, which is like (laughs) other than the NBA, you have the EuroLeague and Real Madrid is like one of the best teams in the EuroLeague Mm -hmm. these last couple of years. Like they they have some up and down years, but they've had some very good years and he was playing significant minutes on like one of the best teams outside of the nba at that age like that's (laughs) very very impressive did he ever win it with uh, real madrid yeah he he won it the year before that he got drafted he Uh won it and got the like finals mvp for the euro league man i don't remember that that's incredible i was well I, I don't want to knock you Americans, but I was I was, <laughs> I was mad he did not go number one overall because, like, you know, Victor Wembanyama is, like, the best prospect ever. Mm-hmm. But, like, Luka was up there. You just didn't realize it because he wasn't 7-5. Yeah, you're right. If you, you, look at, uh, you look at the tape and the stats, it was pretty obvious something was there. Yeah. Because even pretty early on, he took over. Right. It was pretty clear that he knew what he was doing. He's played pro. Um, and we see that a lot. I'm curious to see how these G League guys are going to turn out, like your Scoot Hendersons. If that's the way to go, because I feel like that's what those foreign players do better is they get that professional reps earlier. And then over here in the U.S., it's that college level. It's so weird because D1 coaches now, it's it's almost like you don't want that one and done guy because the best teams seem to have players like Kansas where they stick around for four years. UCLA, they stick around for four years. I mean, do you guys see the NBA just a whole changing with how like or not even the NBA, just how players in the U.S. are going to start? heading into basketball, whether more players go to the G League, um, less players are going to college. What do you guys see for the future? I could definitely see, like, the top prospects doing more G League route or just other routes in general just to get that those pro reps. And NIL is going to make a difference for sure, which will kind of level that out because I think a lot of people could make a lot more NIL than they could in, like, a G League. I don't know. I don't really know what the G League contracts are like, though. Yeah, neither do I. But uh, if, if it's a two-way, it's good. If it's just only G League, it's pretty bad. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. And I don't know if, like, those prospects get more money. I wouldn't assume that they would because they're uh, really the going to be there for a year. I feel like the prospects that go to, like, G League Ignite, I've seen numbers like half a million float around. Yeah, that's, I mean, those are good numbers, and that's pretty similar to what they probably get in NIL at this stage coming in as, like, say, a projected top five pick. But – I could see people doing that route because teams are leaning on the transfer portal now, obviously, with so many seniors leaving. And I think that it's going to be harder for them to, like, I don't know, honestly. Because then I think about Brandon Miller and he just killed it. Yeah, without him. So I, I don't really know, honestly. I would say it honestly depends on the team, like, the per- that the team, like, needs what position, like, they kind of need. So, like, for me, like, for Portland, like, picking up Scoot, I feel like that. It's gonna be interesting playing alongside a Dame. And you think they move Dame? You think that's the move on that? I don't think. I don't think they're gonna move Dame. Really? Okay. Do you? Yeah, I think Dame's on the way out. Really? I do too. I, I think that's the plan. I don't think you get a guy like that unless you're looking to move Dame. Because then you still got uh, Anthony Simons as well. It's true. To be fair, who else were they gonna pick in that situation though? To not be like ridiculed, they'd have to trade that pick if they yeah. were trying to get something for to play with Dame. I think yeah, I feel like with this draft, I feel like they were based on how what was going to get picked in front of them. I feel like they had a pretty good idea with Charlotte. Mm-hmm. I just felt like this has kind of always been in the back pocket. I don't know what you can do with them anymore. 
you can write out his career and kind of give him the Kobe Bryant thank you for everything and spend a lot of money and not win games, or you can move on because he's kind of getting to that point of his career. It is true. I well, hear it. what were his stats last year because I think he still puts up like yeah, he was still highly player. efficient. Let me pull him up here. He's he still, still he's still close. He's still, like he also did get injured a good amount mm-hmm. during the season. Um, but per perspective, we're talking about you know whether the G League is going to take over. Um, and we do have there was four players from the G League drafted, and out of the Power Fives, they actually didn't do too bad. It's tied with the Big Twelve, Pac Twelve for four players drafted. There kind of tells you G League is better than a couple of the Power Fives. SEC was first with nine players drafted, Big Ten second with eight players, and ACC third with five players drafted. Uh, pretty surprised for the Big Ten. I was I didn't expect them to get as many as eight, but no surprise. Were you guys surprised at all? The SEC gets the most players drafted. I didn't know the SEC well enough to know how many they would get. Well, I would say they most of the time have a lot of athletic players in there, and mm-hmm. I feel like right now that's and that's kind of what what the NBA always has been looking for just athletic players with high upside. That's that's what you draft early. You draft for upside, and then as you get later on in the draft, get more experienced older players. Okay, so let me pull this up real quick. For Damian Lillard, uh, Rink brought up that he's still playing and he's still, you could consider it maybe the prime of his game, later part of his prime. Uh, field goal percentage of last season, still shot 46%. Keep in mind, shooting a lot of threes. Shot 37% from the three-point line. So not bad there. And then I don't know what happened. Just lost there for a second. Uh, 91% from the free throw line, about five rebounds, seven assists, and then about one steal and three turnovers, averaging 32.2%. Yeah, it's a lot better than I thought. Yeah, I did not know that. No, he's but he plays the games, so it's the injury. So, so then you got to ask yourself, like, okay, do we want him to, to keep him as a veteran because he can show the ropes to these young guys that we're bringing in, and then hopefully in that way he's going to in like two or three years we can build a team around him, like Chris Paul and SGA yeah. situation, or we want to trade him away because he's going to be valuable for some team that's trying to make a push for the championship. I don't think Portland is ready to make a push yet because they, other than Dame, they don't have players that have mm-hmm. been at that spot and you, you need experience. Yeah. So I think there's definitely going to be a team that's, that is willing to give up a lot to get Dame at this point. That's what I'm thinking. I think they kind of reinvest in their future and they try to get as much for Dame. They already have a pretty good young core. Yeah. And like you got, I really like Anthony Simons. He's nice. And then you got Scoot. And that's a good start. Mm-hmm. They got to figure out Yurkic yet. Yeah, he's been just not great for him. Maybe, maybe you could do a three-way trade type mm-hmm. deal with Nurkic and Dame. Do something with that, and then I think you get a bunch of picks, and then maybe another good young player to bring in. Yeah, absolutely. Damian Lillard, I think he's going to be he's going to be the guy I talked about. I think by far the most in terms of these hypothetical trades. I think a team like the Lakers probably be desperate. To get a guy like Dame, I think that's another big one. Why do we always mention the Lakers in these? Like, <laughs> because they just make splash moves all the time. Well, I shouldn't say the Lakers make splash moves. LeBron teams make splash exactly. moves. That's why the Lakers come up a lot. You got LeBron on the roster. I mean, that no one's safe. I think that's pretty well understood at this point. No, no, yeah, lay GM for real. It's uh, he's got a track record, say the least. But we better throw it to break here. This is the Walk On Weekly. We got special guest Rank Mastin here, as well as Jeff Grace III, Sam Hoiberg, the host, as always. We'll catch you guys on the other side on 93.7 The Ticket, ticketfm.com.